Welcome to the Future Print Podcast, celebrating print technology and the people behind it. Welcome to the next episode of the Future Print Podcast. I'm really happy to have with me Mr. Jan Janssen from the Fraunhofer Institute. And we're going to talk around um, the development of Inkjet and more specifically how that works within Fraunhofer. Fraun I'll let Jan explain more about Fraunhofer, but I've been very aware of the organization, the Institute for, for a number of years as a really positive inspiration for innovation in a number of manufacturing. Obviously, centered in germany which is the heart of manufacturing in europe so welcome to the podcast jan yeah thanks for your invitation happy to to be on board fantastic and um we always start with a, an introduction so if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about your personal background and what you've perhaps your a little bit about what you've trained in and how you got involved with fraunhofer mm. yeah. For sure. So, so I'm a mechanical engineer by passion. So, like, I like the traditional Fraunhofer career, I would say. So, I started mechanical engineering 2008 or something um, um, in my bachelor's programs in Aachen, um, studying mechanical engineering. And like the typical student, I just was looking for some money uh, in, in the time where I was um, doing my study. And there I got aware that Fraunhofer, in this case Fraunhofer Institute for Laser Technologies, which is located in Aachen, was offering some student works. And so I applied for that and I stumbled into the Fraunhofer world. So while I was my, in my bachelor's program, I was writing some theses at Fraunhofer. Um, I can tell a bit more about Fraunhofer in, in, in a second, but um, we were I was dealing with some life science department dealing with some laser induced proper transfer all about laser techniques and i was quite happy with being um like having the the, the possibility to really um apply the knowledge which i gained from from my studies in, in the courses in university really to uh, projects which were running internally at in, in this front of institutes and that uh drove me to, to just stay there for a bit longer. So I stayed there even in my master's program and then I got away with um, 3D printing and actually with input printing. So um, I was writing, I wrote my master's thesis. Um, it was a process combination of stereolithography, which is a 3D printing technology uh, in combination with inkjet printing. So then um, it was the front of IPA in Stuttgart, um, front of IPA in Stuttgart, um, the German abbreviation is uh, Produktionstechnik und Automatisierung. In English, it's Manufacturing, Engineering and Automation. And actually, this institute, or like this is the institute where I'm currently the group manager in, is all about automation and manufacturing engineering. And um, yeah, actually, that was the first touch of inkjet printing, where one of the process modules when, in my master's thesis were dealing with inkjet printing. And um, yeah, after my, my, my thesis, I thought, I really liked Fraunhofer, the, the, the concept of Fraunhofer. So mm. the concept of Fraunhofer is like applied research and mm. like giving like the possibility to, to um, transfer R&D results to industry. So Fraunhofer has like 70 institutes all over Germany. Well, we also have some subsidiarities in other countries, but mainly in Germany. Like there's like all engineering focusing topics you can find in different front of institutes all over Germany. So like I said, the one in Aachen where I was a student, 
um, or working as a student was dealing with laser technology, so focusing all the laser stuff. Hmm. Institute where I'm working right now is um, dealing with manufacturing engineering and automation, so being more productive and um, hmm. bringing productiveness to, to, to industry. And Fraunhofer in, in general has more than 20,000 employees, R&D employees. So most of them come directly from universities. So after the master's, most of them come to, to, to us as an employee and um, on the, they have to, the chance to, um, to, to um, um, write their PhD thesis, for example, in collaboration with universities and our in, in institutes. And um, yeah, it's all about different sectors. So what mm. front drives is like bridging the, this valley of death. And this, there are some R&D research results, which are low, with a low TOL level, and they have to come to, to really a commercial or viable product readiness level. And that's actually what, what Fraunhofer tries to do. So bridge mm. this valley of death of where there are certain results, but it's not ready for industry and try to, to really have the last bit of R&D done. So there's applied R&D to really mm. make it as a sellable product for industry or ready for industry to use. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's an organization that, that really is focused on R&D and helping get new projects over the line and mm -hmm. begin to be used within manufacturing. And your focus, by the sound of it, is very, very much on automation and doing more with less and helping accelerate mm -hmm. the introduction of, of automated systems into manufacturing. Would that be? Yeah, um, completely yeah. great yeah. wrap up. And, and, and actually what, what, what Fraunhofer as a, as, a, as a research organization drives the most is like, the commitment of like advancing technologies for so scientifically benefits like we have that large challenges like climate changes sustainable future which we have to address and therefore you need this interdisciplinary approach which involves different sectors and like thinking maybe outside of the box and this is something what drives from as a whole organization to really give that added benefit in terms of r&d to that social challenges or um, challenges which we are currently facing. So, how how long has Fraunhofer been in existence? Is it is it something that was established many many years ago, or of in the fifties? I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I think it's around the fifties. So after the Second World War, it was formed. But yeah, you hit me on the wrong foot. So uh, 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 let me check that. I, I can give you the, the the exact founding date. It's a bit of a shame, but um, yeah, probably. Just roughly after the, the um, um, World War Two, or like in the fifties or sixties, and, and since then, like this, all these in, in this front of our organization, all these different institutes popped up in different locations all over Germany. Yeah, and that's um, an enlightened. I think you know, in the UK, we would look at that and, and with some amount of jealousy. So I'm sure that Fraunhofer's played a key role in really supporting the German manufacturing sector be, become what it is today, the powerhouse that it is today. So it's a really positive organization with innovation as a focal point and focus. Um, you've pretty much answered this, but what drives you and the, and the organization, really? I mean, it sounds very unique. There doesn't sound like there are many Fraunhofer's um, in the world. So it sounds like it's pretty, a pretty unique organization. What What is it that drives you? Is it that sense of continual improvement trying to become more um 
competitive and so on so that Europe and maybe specifically Germany is continues to lead the world in manufacturing? That's not about Germany. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, I would say it's more in general. It's, it's, it's the, the, the way to come mm. to a more sustainable future for the whole world. So that's the, the approach just to have like yeah. solutions which, which leads. Um, and this can be like in medicines uh, solution, but also in automation solutions, which leads to, to, to really a sustainable future with technologies which uh, saves resources, um, which um, which then helps helps people in in the, in the future, and, and this is also so Fraunhofer is the, the applied research organization in Germany, but there are other research or applied research organizations all around Europe, for example, like Rice in, in Sweden or TNO in in, in in the Netherlands. So like there are different uh, like they're, they're similar um, research organizations, applied research organizations all over Europe, and we collaborate in in. in European funded projects with them. So it's more about collaboration and not focusing just on, on Germany itself. But of course, um, Fraunhofer is, is, has at least the, the will to support German SMEs and German companies in that field, of course. Uh, mm. That's the same for all the applied research institutes all over Europe. They should support R&D activities in their different countries. Yeah, yeah, and it's helping helping ideas become reality, which is is a challenging thing to do. The investment is obviously considerable, and um, getting ideas to actually become mainstream is is a big yeah. challenge. You're obviously very active in the manufacturing industry. Um, what kind of a sort of trends are you seeing um, this year, that, and and going forward? What do you think are the major trends? Mm-hmm. Maybe not in particular for this year, but as said, um, a digital production process which saves resources, which are, is more energy efficient, um, which is maybe um, more sustainable. This is something which lots of companies are driven by, maybe even by law, because there are more regulations popping up from the European laws, which forces them to 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 have more sustainable recyclable products for example so they maybe they they they, they are driven by internal motivation but also uh, they are driven like forced to 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 um um to 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 r&d in that sector because um we, we need to have it and i'm quite happy that the european union is 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 like um mm. is on on that way and um the, the the trend of like on demand manufacturing on the on, on the spot of need as we have seen it in the last three years in in terms of COVID where we had this supply chain issues um, I guess to have like a really flexible production or on demand production manufacturing possibilities in Europe and not relying on on this large supply chain and bringing back technology which maybe went back to Asia um, or is at the moment focused in, in, in Asia, um, this is something which maybe drives at least some of the companies just to, um, to, hmm. yeah. 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 And, and that's, um, that's, that's an exciting trend. I think for, for Europe is, is that, um, of course, sustainability is a huge issue, but, um, being able to produce product closer to 
you know, closer to customer is obviously got massive benefits for the environment as well as being competitive, you know, make it, making Europe more competitive um, versus perhaps um, Asia in that regard. And um, obviously your focus is, is R&D, isn't it? So um, this year has been a particularly challenging, uncertain year when it comes to the economy. How's, how do you view the current economic situation and how's that affecting R&D or is it affecting R&D? Yeah, for sure. It is affecting R&D. So we're still facing some supply chain issues from the last two to three years. So that's still, it's it's improving again, but it's not on the same level than it was before COVID. So we're still waiting for, for example, PLC components to, uh, for safety PLC components, which have lead times for more than six months or even longer. So lead times, even in the R&D sector for, for components to be integrated in test rigs and whatever, and it goes the same for the industry, uh, it's still not recovered. It gets better, but it's not on the level like it was before COVID. And, mm-hmm. and the one other insight is like, um, we see that R&D is uh, from like, what Pranofa do is, um, typically is like we partner up with SMEs or industry to um, apply for R&D projects, national funded or EU funded projects. And R&D is really the key issue just to, to really being competitiveness in, in this sector. And um, if the, the, the economic system goes down, typically R&D is like the first thing which is cut, but it's actually the sad thing because at the moment you should invest in R&D because this gives you the possibility in future just to have Mm. new solutions and actually that's actually challenging for us at the moment just to to really find the willingness of industry to to, that's that's really not for, for every industry company but for, for some of the companies, they are not that open for investments in R&D at the moment because they are struggling with mm. economic issues um, mm. on their side. So they are a bit more passive on, on in investing, with the, at least in external R&D. This is something mm. that we could face at the moment. Mm. And like you say, it's um, understandable, but equally... You know, the, things can change quite quickly, can't they? And if you've if you've cut your R and D, your next yeah. product's going to take longer to reach the market, and you're slowing yourself down in essence. Um, more, just a question more about inkjet and printing. And like you said, you got involved with Fraunhofer. You you, you developed um, a passion for inkjet through the work that you've done and three D printing as well. You mentioned quite a big question, but what do you see as the opportunities? for inkjet and perhaps what the challenges are mm-hmm. so i guess the main r&d in the last 10 years or even 20 years in inkjet printing was done because of driven by the graphical sector um, mm. and within the last five to maybe 10 to five years there's like this new print heads coming up to markets market enabling not only the processing of inks in the graphical sector but also in, in the field of functioning that's actually the, the thing where we use inkjet printing in our group in my group we use inkjet printing for functional printing either it's a coating of the silicon wave for or is it in a for a thin film solar cell so not printing with like 
an ink which just consists color, but also functional material like conductive inks, um, dielectric inks, which can use can be used as an isolator or whatever. And this is something what 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 I see that there, and this is was limited because um, in in the past years about uh, in in terms of printheads being able to process these inks, uh, these functional inks, uh, like and then. So I started to, 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 to push the limits of inkjet printing for, for functional inks, to bring printheads to market, which allows processing of a wider range of viscosity windows of inks. And actually new vendors come to market, like such as Quantica um, in, in the recent years, bringing new printheads to market, which even allows a wider range of inks to be processed in the field of Functional inks for 3D printing, for example. So you potentially can process 3D printing resins, which can't be printed or weren't be able to be printed um, before. Um, so this is something where I see a big opportunity to see uh, to 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 to, to um, where where inkjet printing can fit in a, in a in a new market, which is typically not set by inkjet printing because other production technologies such as pad printing or um, stuff were used before. Um, so new printed developments and new inks being processed in the field of functional materials such as glues, such as conductive inks. Um, this is like a big opportunity in the fields of functional 3D printing or inkjet printing. And, and of course, that's the same goes for the challenges because the challenges is, I, I guess, on the one hand side, being able to process a wider range of materials. It's still, it's an ongoing discussion and it will go on for the next 20 years or even longer because as long as you, you push the, the limits of the printhead and uh, maybe the widen the range of inks which are processable, again, after a few years, someone will tell you, okay, and now I want to process this and this ink which can be processed at the moment and that this will go on. But the challenges at the moment, not from a technical level, but from an educational level, is like the lack of training and know-how transfer at the moment in industry. Because typically, most of the people in inkjet printing stumbled, stumbled into inkjet printing by accident, I would yeah. say. At least this is my impression when I was in discussion, when I'm in discussion with lots of people from inkjet printing industry, that's they... They were not going to university and say, we're saying, oh, inkjet printing, this is something what I want to be in, in the future, but it's just by accident that it's probably for most of the people. And then they have to, to, to really train themselves or at least get this know-how because it's really interdisciplinary um, yeah, approach which you need for inkjet printing. You need to have material know-how, you need to know how about printheads, process development, machine layout, and there's lots of things to learn. And this is the, the, the lack of knowledge and, and the lack, not, not of knowledge, but of training and education. This is something that, that where, where inkjet printing or at least companies could improve and even educational like universities could improve a bit more because otherwise it will be challenging in future to really get attraction from new skilled workforce or at least this is the same for every every workforce at the moment in industry, it's really hard to get skilled workforce. Mm -hmm. um, and and, and that's that the same for inkjet printing. And to, 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 to get out of this loop, I guess, 
I guess a bit more training and attraction to inter to interprinting and sharing of knowledge. That that's really the one of the challenges interprinting potentially could will face uh, in the in the future. Yeah, yeah interesting. And um, the point you're making there is very poignant. I think, particularly at the moment, that I'm hearing a lot that there's a big deficit of people big deficit of people with the right skills or experience to be able to make a difference and there's a there's obviously a massive dip in birth rate and particularly in Europe and it and it makes it really difficult doesn't it for for businesses to grow and um so yeah having that educational bridge and an understanding so that i guess more than anything else it just makes progress more efficient and quicker so yeah a bit a a, a great point there um, and I guess also partly plays to your um, your focus on automation, right? Um, yeah, it's really, really important. Um, um, what kind of developments might you have in store in the future for the organization, for Fraunhofer? What, what kind of exciting things can you perhaps share with us that are um, developing in the future? I would say, as touched on, like this, this, this developments which the the, the printhead vendors are currently pushing to market. We we try to explore the limits of new printheads, like such as Quantica printheads, like high viscous ink printing of new materials outside, like the typical dental area which Quantica is currently facing, to see what materials can be processed with inkjet printing. In, in, at the limits of high viscosity or ultra high viscosities, there are lots of names popping up from XAR and Quantica, but uh, to see if which glues can be processed, which materials can be processed, which inkjet printing, which haven't been processed before because of this new printheads and printhead technology coming to market. And this is something where we really would, will look into uh, future uh, R&D projects and in collaborations, again, as said, with mm. printed vendors such as Quantica. And that's something really interesting because there's lots of potential, which most of the, like I said, some of the like screen printing and pet printing processes potentially can be replaced with new printed um, technology and inks, um, which are developed at the moment. Yeah, and that's that's critical, isn't it? I think that's an exciting fact. I think inkjet, since since I've been working within the industry, has developed so much as a technology that, 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 that in terms of viscosity and what you're able to jet through some of the different heads is incredible. It's opening up a huge uh, amount of opportunity, but just because it's possible doesn't mean doesn't yet mean it's happening to any large extent. And like you say, it's like the technology's moved ahead, but we as people and community need to catch up with it and and really exploit the potential because otherwise it will be a, a possibility but not a reality well listen thanks so much for joining us Jan. it's been interesting talking with you um and i you know we'd like to continue to to have you involved with what we're doing because frown hoffer it was great to meet you by the way the seiko open week wasn't it we met and um yeah. You know, to have that link for us, Future Print, also with Fraunhofer, is, is really positive. And I hope that we can have you at future events and, uh, you know, some of the things and the work we do with um, with Future Print. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for your invitation. Looking forward with uh, some discussions in the future. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe now for more great audio content coming up. And visit futureprint.tech 
for the latest news, partner interviews, in-depth industry research, and to catch up on content from Future Print events. We'll see you next time on the Future Print Podcast.